Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Friday, uh, May the 5th, 2023. Last year, I did a show uh with my old friend from the brookings institute richard reeves he always finds controversial areas of our culture to write about and he has a new book out called of boys and men why the modern male is struggling why it matters and what to do about it controversial in the sense that not everyone agrees and i think also in some ways not everyone cares some people suggest that men have had it coming to them for several millennium uh, my guest today, though, I don't think would agree. He is drilling down on the Reeves area. He's focusing on what does it mean to be a boy online in 2023. Uh, Henry Mance is the chief features writer for the Financial Times. Uh, and this piece that came out uh, last month is really interesting because it drills down in, into the, the crisis perhaps, of masculinity, online masculinity, what some people call toxic masculinity uh, in the 2020s. Henry is joining us from the FT's office in London. Uh, Henry, uh, is there a crisis online of toxic masculinity? You wrote this long and very interesting piece last month. Yeah, thanks, Egg. Um, really nice to talk to you, Andrew. I mean, I, I, I think obviously there's something went sort of crazily off when you had Andrew Tate being so searched for, so widely shared. And I think a lot of people woke up to it late, right? Um, a lot of people uh, who have kids, you know, just coming into their teenage years, did not realize those those boys were watching so much Andrew Tate. Teachers were surprised by it. And, um, you know, when Tate was arrested in, in Romania, they you know, they became aware of it, but they, they became aware of it too late. So there was something really particular around um, Tate. And he, although he may have been a very extreme example, he was so viral, right, and so searched for that I think that that does point to a, um, uh, like a wider issue. One of the things I was trying to do in my piece was to try and say, right, okay, let's, let's accept, let's all agree that Andrew Tate goes too far, right? And I think a lot of people, Boys who watch him. Well, say, Henry, let me jump in here. Not everyone, I think, in our audience, everyone's heard of Andrew Tate, but tell us a little bit more about him. Um, right. Or at least how you think of him in, in terms of him going too far and being on the extreme. Yeah, Andrew Tate was this um, influencer, you know, um, former, you know, brought up on, on both sides of the Atlantic, um, you know, former professional fighter, and he really turned himself into a poster boy of like what male success, very brash male success could look like. So um, he pitched himself as an entrepreneur, someone who'd made a lot of money, could live a very extravagant lifestyle um, and was sort of um, and then with that, along with that, went lots of um, really very harsh views about the different roles and different skills of men or women within society and a really bleak view of what it is to be a man so he would say masculine life is is war and he's one of these people who you don't have to 
sort of say an alleged he was an alleged misogynist he would say i'm proudly a misogynist right um i believe you know women should be kept in their place that they should obey their um the men in their lives and he was sort of deliberately going out of his way almost to offend liberal sensibilities and this really resonated right there was a you know he may have been more searched for than anyone else yeah i mean you note in your um in your piece that uh, when you typed how to be a man into youtube which is an interesting question for youtube uh you got results for tate and the feminism skeptic uh, psychologist jordan peterson who as it happens his daughter came on the show last year but um uh, are people looking for tate or are they bumping into him do you think people want when when they when they uh when they type when kids type especially young men type how to be a man into youtube are they looking for tate even if they don't know who tate or jordan peterson are they're looking for those kinds of answers uh, that's a big question i think they're looking for guidance right i think you have um young young men young boys and they don't know what what their role is, right? They hear a lot of this stuff. They hear a lot of negativity around boys. They also, they do feel squeezed. And, you know, although I think I probably not exactly align with Richard Reeves, you know, some of the data he presents is, is really clear that boys are doing badly. Um, and so, you know, boys are looking for a role. They're wondering in this world of, of greater equality, what, what, what does it mean to be a successful boy and someone like jordan peterson especially incredibly confident a guru a um, you know uh, psychologist but a really sort of um, mesmeric and messianic lecturer if you go and watch a youtube video of his he he really imprints upon you that he has the answers to life and i think tate did the same and one of tate's real strengths i think was not just to project this idea of wealth right that he could afford to live a very wealthy life and that you should aspire to that. Cigars, women, homes, fast cars. Um, but he also, um, he was kind of so over the top that it was it was amusing to watch. Um, and so, uh, you know, a lot of the boys I spoke to, they didn't, they didn't believe it all. They weren't completely, you know, um, hooked on it. But they, they, they enjoyed the spectacle of Andrew Tate. Yeah, and, and your were... piece comes with a series of beautiful photographs very pensive photographs of, of boys 10 to 14 to 10 to 15 year olds um seemingly a little bit lost in our culture not quite sure what to do on the one hand they're riding their bikes as they've always done on the other hand they're staring into the camera as if they're lost um you begin the piece henry uh, with the question, do you know who KSI is? I have to admit I didn't. Tell us a little bit about KSI and for you, why he's such an important figure in this question of what it means to be a boy online in 2023. Right. And I, I think that's that's great. Like KSI, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 40. Uh, my friends who would consider themselves like not middle-aged yet, but just had no idea who this guy is. And yet to like one or two generations of boys younger than us, he is huge. He has, I mean, you're right. He has almost 10 minutes, 9 million followers on Twitter for whatever that means. Again, a social media star. Yeah. 24 million on YouTube. And I think that a really great sign of how powerful he is, is that it's not just online success. He launched an energy drink in the UK, which had previously been in the US, but he, he launched it in the UK, a drink called prime. 
and they launched it in very limited amounts. And kids went out at 5 a.m. to supermarkets to try and get their hands on this stuff. And this drink, which should cost a pound, two pounds in the shop, was going for, on the, on the uh, black market effectively, was going for 20, 20 pounds. And actually, I can still find it in London in supermarkets for 10 pounds, right? That's, that's um, the sort of the marketing skill of this guy and his, his, willing, his ability to persuade young people to go out and spend actual money, not just to click on something, but to go out and spend their actual money on a product he's backed. And I think what's interesting about, for me, is that he's not Andrew Tate, right? This guy is not preaching misogyny. He's not, um, he's not saying that women should get in their place, etc. He's not toxic in, and I think, you know, if people use that, use that word, would not apply it uh, to KSI. But he, he is projecting a version of masculinity. And I wanted to go in and say, look, okay, so if we don't want Andrew Tate, and, um, and a lot of parents, a lot of teachers don't, and I think justifiably. Yeah, I think that goes but, without saying. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think even Andrew Tate wants Andrew Tate. He's <laughs> yeah, right. Staring at himself in a Romanian jail for many years. Hope. Um, so, do we then want KSI? Is KSI the answer? Is he a yeah, guy? Yeah, I mean, like... do... and you make your piece quite autobiographical. Um, you talk about what it was like to grow up in the '90s when you were a, a boy or an adolescent. What's the difference? I mean, who was the equivalent, if not of Andrew Tate, who's unusual? Who was the, the KSI of the 1990s or the 80s or the 70s? Were there equivalents to KSI? Were, they, were there men selling us stuff, sports stars, influencers, musicians, so that we were getting up early to, to pick up? Was it their records, their clothes? So what I do is like I compare what I grew up with as my influencers. So these were what we called lads mags, men's magazines, aimed at a sort of slightly naive audience of teenagers who were interested in music, football, sex, drinking. Um, and then I compare that. All boys to, are interested in what we assume well, all boys are interested in. Well, they, they identified that as their, yeah. I mean, if you weren't interested, you might not pick it up or you might only read some of it. But that, that was a demographic that they that they identified. And then I tried to compare that with what KSI and indeed others are, are putting out now. There are some common threads, like what KSI um, uh, is really big on, and a lot of the big YouTubers are, are really big on, is pranks, right? You know, so, and challenges. And, you know, can you survive this long in a desert? Right, uh, so that's what... Mr. Beast as well. You talk about Mr. Beast with his 150 million subscribers, uh, otherwise known as... Uh, well, Jimmy Donaldson, uh, Jimmy yeah. Donaldson, uh, another sort of entrepreneurial character, young man on on YouTube, making a fortune, building a brand. Yeah, making an obscene amount of money, um, and and indeed he says reinvesting it and, and giving it away, and um, uh, an interesting character. Um, but I think there is there are some common threads, and there are some things which, if you're a parent, you might even be happier with today, right? So in the '90s, we had like rock stars um, who were talking quite a lot about drugs and drink. And a lot of the new generation is not that interested in drinking, right? Not that interested in, in lionizing drugs in the same way. Um, at the same time, one of the things I remember when I, when I was in my 20s, 30s, was feeling a bit embarrassed about having read these magazines, which were really objectifying women. So it was a lot of time it was like scantily dressed women on the covers. It was talking about women in uh, um, quite a, uh, I think a, a patronizing way. It was making sort of slightly lazy, sexist jokes. 
And I thought we'd moved beyond all that. And then seeing Andrew Tate made me think maybe we hadn't. And I think that there's some elements of, of YouTube which has actually not progressed as far as, you know, as far as one would have hoped in terms of the, you know, hasn't kept pace with the broader discussion in society around equality, men, women, etc. Uh, Andrew Tate is, is the worst end of that. But I even think, like, if you look at people like KSI, they're much more benign. But they are very much a group of men hanging out on the internet. And even what in- about Sideman? You talk about, you know, there are a lot of characters yeah. I've never heard of. Sideman, Sideman Tinder. Yeah. It's huge. I mean, these the numbers on this. I'm not sure how many of the, the viewers are bots or Russian agents, but these have this one video we're looking at on the screen has 64 million views. Is it just 12 year olds watching this stuff? And are they watching for about 30 seconds? They're actually digesting it properly. I was speaking to so the, the data, the official data, we got good data in the UK. Uh, the, the data says that, you know, young kids here are watching two hours of YouTube a day. Right. But I was speaking to people who were spending easily five hours in a day, in a school day, over their various apps. Right. So over YouTube, TikTok, um, uh, Snapchat, they were doing it as soon as they woke up. They were doing it on the bus to school. They were doing it at school and they were especially doing it late at night. Often, you know, you've got your homework on, but you've also got a screen on, etc. People are watching this. And one of the interesting things that you, should, you threw up the, the Sidemen Tinder. So that, you know, KSI is one of the Sidemen. They're a group of um, guys, some of them very talented, very charismatic, but they, um, they, they do this Tinder thing, which is an ingenious idea of you swipe left, right, um, the women, um, women choose um, them, but it's pretty sexually explicit. If you had an 11-year-old boy, sorry, 11-year-old boy, you wouldn't want them uh, you know, being part of this conversation because the level of, of sort of sexual description is something that can really, I think, only be described in the context of online porn, which didn't exist in as a mainstream. Yeah, and you talk about this. Um, you you suggest that the the male YouTubers you watch watch wanted girlfriends, um, but uh, they they didn't understand friendship with women. And YouTube, you argue, has somehow accentuated an existing social dynamic. Again, this is all chicken and egg cause and effect, but um, are they watching YouTube because they can't talk to women or they're not able to talk to women because they're watching YouTube? <laughs> um, I think a lot of people are spending a lot of time on screens, right? So those pictures you threw up. Yeah, and the... you, I, you don't, we don't need you to tell us that. Yeah, I mean, but what does that, that. what does that mean? So that means that they're not spending time hanging out, having conversations, having the same kind of... Um, you know, uh, back and forth, they, they're more easily going down a rabbit hole. They're more easily getting sucked into the algorithm. You say, are they looking for Andrew Tate? Well, they may, they may bump into him, but then they're served up more and more of him. And that kind of, what's, what kind of I would be slightly concerned about as a parent today is, you know, we were reading the lad mags, but then we were also, you know, there's only so many, so many hours you can spend reading a lad mag, which comes out once a month. And you have to spend the rest of your time dealing with content that's also aimed at other age groups and that's, you know, not not directly aimed at you, not directly aimed for boys, etc. What YouTube's done is created this almost infinite supply of content, which is very targeted, very and narrow. And free, of course. I mean, the lads, yeah. make, you could try and steal them, they probably in <laughs> trouble. But all this, the, perhaps one of the, the more troubling aspects of YouTube is, of course, it's all free. You, you, you are the 
the chief interviewer on uh, on um, the Financial Times. You have a very influential the Henry Mans interview. One of the people you had on your show recently was Shoshana Zuboff. I've had her on sh on my show. These people are giving away their identities in exchange, in an odd way, it's a sort of a, a surreal uh, barter, Henry, for their masculinity. Wow, that's an that's a interesting way of putting it. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. But I certainly think, is it possible to, to imagine an end of the social media age where this is not the normal thing right the normal right. this thing. is this is the sort of sexualized or genderized version of what uh zuboff calls surveillance capitalism it's a it's it, it's not just night it's not the mark it's not the capitalism that marks industrial capitalism of the 19th century it's i don't know what you would call it it's a fetishized capitalism a sexually and culturally fetishized capitalism in which people are exchanging their identities for these weird new identities uh, built around KSI or Andrew Tate or, uh, or, or or Jordan Peterson. It's weird, isn't it? I, I think it is. And I think, look, there have always been super fans. You go back to Beatlemania, you go back to the sort of, you know, uh, various groups in the 70s, 80s. People have really identified with famous people. But I think there was a limit to how much you could get of these people if you really liked uh, punk or whatever. You know, you had to. You still had to wait for records to be released. You had to, um, you know, be part of a broader society the rest of the time. And I think what what the internet's done is said well, you can stay in your room, you can watch endless amounts of this stuff. And some th there's also no filter, right? So KSI, who's now 29, who's making a load of money, he's got the got the energy drink, got a whole boxing. Um, sort of stable going on, very big fights, filling Wembley Arena in London. Um, you know, really, really big star. He, he produced a video in which he used a racial slur and there was no one there to stop him, right? It being published. It, went, it was on and published later. And it does just remind you that these are still very young people who don't have any of the institutional protection. Yeah, uh, Henry, where, um, I mean, we've, we've done many shows on Keen on, on parenting and I'm sure you've, talked about parenting in many of your interviews where are the fathers where are the elder brothers where are the grandfathers and the uncles and the school teachers here are, are the kids who are getting sucked into the world of ksi and andrew tate and mr beast are they the ones missing authority male authority figures or or, or is that an easy lazy generalization I think it's a bit lazy, right? And I think that, um, look, you can point to the fact that I think a quarter of teachers are now male, right? So three quarters on. And, you know, you've got lots of schools where there aren't, there aren't male classroom teachers. Um, but I think even where there are men, I think one real, and are sort of strong male role models, I think the problem is you've got young boys asking questions. And then because society has moved, the social consensus amongst older people has moved on quite a long way, then when they try and raise these questions and, and try and sort of um, explore some of these things and make mistakes and say slightly clumsy things, the, the risk is that a parent like me shuts them down and says, oh, no, that's, that's wrong. And they, they feel... Uh, how many kids do you have? I got two kids, but they're girls, right? Um, so um, I'm not... I'm lucky, not lucky man. Much easier to parent <laughs> girls. I think, hey, I'm not... A, I'm that's not only um, for a man, maybe not so much for a woman. <laughs> I'm not ruling out issues there. Um, but like one of the messages coming through really strongly, I hope, in this piece is to say, look, if, you're, if your son or your nephew or someone in your class is into Andrew Tate, 
the right response is not to say that is so shocking you are you know toxic you should never watch this guy he is completely wrong it's to try and ex- understand why they're interested in in this and then to try and sort of pose maybe how some of the women that in in this boy's life might feel about him watching it or might feel about some of the things that Andrew Tate is saying and it's a much more sort of um accepting and non-judgmental approach i think the real risk is that those male authority figures who do exist shut down the conversation too quickly and force it all to happen online and we want you know kids to grow up around us right kids to make those mistakes right not to use online as a refuge i wonder um what does it mean to be a boy online in 2023 compared to 1970 or 80 or 90 where you and i our vintage years are from um I wonder if something else has changed, Henry. The, the culture has fragmented. The, the, the dominant mainstream culture has been replaced. It's, 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 it's been turned into shards. Earlier this week, uh, I had another very popular English writer, the opposite, the ultimate opposite of Andrew Tate or KSI, Alice Ozerman. She writes about gender, asexuality, um, uh, gay culture. That is a reality, too. Now, there are people on the right who claim that it's the mainstream culture. I'm somehow suspicious of that. But it's odd that in these chat rooms, on YouTube, on TikTok, the world of Alice Osman, of asexuality, of gay culture is weirdly coexisting with the world of Andrew Tate and KSI. How, how does that work? I guess you can see it as reactions to um, uh, maybe to... To, to one another, right? I mean, so um, clearly the freedom to express your sexuality and your gender identity is much greater now. And that's a positive thing. You're not having people repressed, feeling that they can't um, with, um, talk to each other and talk to their family and talk to their friends about who they really are to the same extent. Uh, and so that's that's all to be encouraged. And it, it um, for some for some young young men who don't feel in that category they feel very lost they feel like well so so what is it to be a what is it to be a, a guy now you know i'm being told that guys are bad i'm hearing that men are toxic i'm also hearing that some people you know no longer identify as men can i can someone just make this easy for me and someone like jordan peterson or andrew tate they make it super easy they're like you know go work out go start fighting pride yourself on power pride yourself on competition don't let anyone get in your way. You want money, you want um, fast cars, etc. Um, so I think you know we have to understand that that men have been have felt slightly lost, and have indeed since you know at least the 1980s. Since you know, um, well, this is uh, Reeves' point about why the modern male is struggling. I mean, Henry, we're allowed fast cars, aren't we? I mean, women have fast. Cars. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, uh, yeah, I, I hadn't thought about it in that way. I mean, whether it's realistic, to, I mean. I, I guess with with Andrew Tate, the question is whether he's actually honestly uh, depicting a lifestyle or whether it's a complete facade. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Tate is he's probably just a a criminal. I mean, there's an an, an ex, extreme uh, version. What about the politics? I know you're very interested in politics. Are these men who you describe who are a little bit lost, who are spending all their time watching Andrew Tate or KSI or Mr. Beast? 
when they vote, are they going to vote for Brexit? Are they going to vote for Donald Trump? Are they the kind of men who will fetishize Putin and Erdogan and, and, and all these other male authoritarians who seem to be reacting against modernity? Or is that, again, too simplistic? I think some of them will, right? I think um, some of the kind of fetishization of strength, of power, of real male power, male authority, I think that does lead to, you know, the the, the lionizing of, of strong men. At the same time, um, I think these guys, you know, they're, they're 11, 12, 13. They've got time to go around, you know, a lot of long and winding roads. And I think one of the reasons why I think parents shouldn't be too judgmental is, you know, people go through this stuff. Um, one parent described it to me as like uh, uh, she saw her role as being a, a padded room in which uh, her children could grow up. And I love that idea of like you're there to to allow your kids to make mistakes, to flirt with ideas. Now, but you need to be there, right? If you're downstairs and they're on online for five hours a night, then you're missing out on a lot. But and that's easy for us to say, you and I, privileged, wealthy people, probably with, you know, two-parent households. If the parent has got two or three jobs and has to work nights, it's, it's, it's much harder. Oh, yeah, of course. Look, and it's finding that, uh, you know, as I, I mean... I'm very reluctant to tell people how to parent, but I think, you know, we're, we're trying to find scenarios in which um, what people, what parents are actually asking for is guidance, right? Guidance of how they can have these conversations. And the experts I spoke to are saying, you know, find a moment where you have time, where it's not rushed, where this comes up and you can, you can talk about what they're watching online. They can feel safe in describing it. Not, they're not going to be judged. And yet, however that fits into to your lifestyle app, you know, absolutely. I, but I don't, I don't think, you know, I don't think we have to write off boys. I think the slightly, um, the slightly crazy thing for me is that, you know, lad mags that we, we, we grew up reading by the sort of mid 2000s, you know, they were really falling in popularity. And one interpretation was that people have got tired of this objectification of women. But I think what's actually happened with the rise of online porn and influencers on the on the kind of more misogynistic end of the spectrum is that it's just shifted online and so not that much progress has been made there has been progress i think in terms of gender identity you mentioned more acceptance there the racial diversity of influencers you know lad mags are a very white thing uh you know we've yeah got i mean at least ksi isn't white for better or worse yeah it's incredibly uh, the side men are uh, you know very racially diverse as our uh, beta squad um by comparison to to lad mags so i think that there is um there, there, there is like uh, more inclusivity there, but um, but yeah, I sort of I, I I lament a bit that we didn't build on the basic recognition that objectifying women was was not a great thing. We didn't build on that, and we just we, allowed. We, I mean, who would you speak when you say we? Who are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, good question because it's so the ruling committee now. of the uh, of the male secretariat. Uh, it's interesting <laughs> yeah. your piece. Um, uh, one, one uh, follow-up letter was from uh, a woman called Sheila Heyman, of all names, uh, from Newnham College, Cambridge, suggesting it's no wonder men feel threatened in today's battle of the sexes. She, she wrote about uh, all over the world, women are being educated, taking control of their fertility, having fewer babies, and finally claiming their equal rights to succeed and flourish with men. Um, is this just the pigeons coming home to roost here in terms of 
centuries, if not millennia of um, object, as you might put it, objectification of women. And that finally, there is a degree of justice and we shouldn't be too worried about it. There's always going to be uh, some degree of carnage. And, and this is legitimate carnage, shall we say. I think we should be we should be worried about it. One, because uh, some boys feel lost, some boys feel unhappy. And B, if it creates a reaction like Andrew Tate, right? Then that's unhealthy for all society. That isn't that isn't what what you know that isn't progress for women. If if even if a small minority are going around and believing what and and being very very sort of um, tempted by what Andrew Tate is saying, so I don't think we should see it as um, as as just the the sign of progress. I also think if you're a boy, and I heard this more you know a, a few times in my reporting. That boys feel put upon. They really feel blamed for a lot of problems. And if you're, you know, it's one thing to say there's a there's a problem with male violence in society. I think it's another thing for a young boy who hasn't gone out and you know abused any women or hasn't gone out and uh, um, been misogynistic. Uh, to, for him to hear that men are um, uh, the villains of society is, I think, um, quite an unsettling thing so i think we have to be really careful about the messages we're putting out and saying look this is what positive masculinity can mean right it can mean for example it can be compatible with being a man uh can be expressing your emotions also being competitive on the sports pitch whatever it might be you channel it this way don't think you have to be the same buttoned buttoned up man of the 1950s or even the 1990s don't think that you have to uh fall into these stereotypes and it's okay to 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 be a guy Finally, Henry, you mentioned you had a couple of daughters. We've done lots of shows on raising self-reliant teenage girls. Did your girls read what you wrote? What did they think? How old are they? They're they're a bit young for that. So they, um, um, yeah, they did they... you get much female response though, especially amongst teenage girls? I mean, they're doing so much better in schools. They're breaking into all the dominant, classically dominant male-dominated professions. Uh, you even did an interview with uh, Mariano Mazzucciuto, uh, who single-handedly seems to be destroying the whole consulting industry. So, uh, do you, yeah, do you think I girls mean, are I amused don't... with this? Do you think girls are going to start feeling sorry for the boys who are struggling, who are lost, who are riding their bicycles and watching KSI and Andrew Tate? I'd have to do the reporting on that, but I think Andrew that like a lot of the funny thing about today is that a lot of people don't feel they're winning, right? People who are watching YouTube are feeling like very dissatisfied for a lot uh, you know a lot of youtube you know we see this in the mental health stats overall that you know teenagers don't seem to be doing great a lot of people are looking at these incredibly successful lucrative influencers and saying mm. oh i wish i were like them and so they're getting you know expectations and dreams of of fame that isn't possible a lot of those people the youtubers themselves the more self-aware ones are saying you know what this they burn out really fast there's been a lot and actually final final question henry and then i know you've got to run what did your research reveal about mental health and its impact on young men? Uh, it seems to be an epidemic of uh, mental ill health, of depression, growth of suicides, particularly, I think, amongst young boys and, and girls, uh, or at least adolescent boys and girls. Did you find anything particularly disturbing on that front, particularly in the context of uh, people going online? I wonder whether researchers connected young boys or adolescent boys going online and uh, their mental health i think that that 
like relationship the is being narrowed down and i think it's clearer that there is a link between especially you know if you look at it in uh, chronological times when smartphones and social media became widespread and when we started to see the declines of mental health so that relationship is being narrowed down the, i mean the thing i would say is more positive right is that in the 90s you know talking about mental health talking about feeling low talking about you know uh, even you know positive emotions negative emotions it wasn't really a blokey thing to do it wasn't things lads did it wasn't things footballers did and now you do have role models um who are doing that now they include some people who i would find questionable but they also include you know pretty pretty uh good guys out there and i think that's become normalized and that's like something to celebrate it's, this is a ladsy uh a ladsy conversation then henry the kind of thing we would have over a beer I think, uh, yeah, I'm not sure whether we're we're YouTubers for the YouTube age, but or, or the TikTok age, but you know, we, we can certainly do it over a bit. Well, we'll start a show. Andrew and Henry talk about young boys and girls. <laughs> like it. We'll already be banned, I think, just for that language. Um, great, but it's been fun.